Welcome, everybody. Today, we have a truly wonderful show for you. We're going to talk about the food and beverage industry. And as you well know, because we're all involved in it in one way or the, or the other, this has been rocked to its very core over the past year. Everything, ways of selling, delivering, consuming, buying, providing, even preparing food has changed. And some say it's never going to go back to the way it was. So what has this required of leaders in the food and beverage industry? It's required a lot. It has required instant innovation, sometimes daily innovation. In addition to that, it has required these leaders to lead with purpose. Why? Because their employees were right on the front lines. And that was an extremely dangerous place to be for many thousands of employees across the world. And so leaders with purpose, empathy, and also some really good smarts. Today, we're joined by Tabassum Zalatrawala. She is the Chief Development Officer of Chipotle Foods. Chipotle Mexican Grill is one of our favorite restaurants at EWA, and she is in charge of construction, design, in a global environment with lots of experience. She has held that role as Chief Development Officer, formerly at Panda Express, also at Arby's, she's had experience in global markets, and she now serves on the public board of Diamond Rock Hospitality. Tabassum, we are so thrilled to have you with us, and we also welcome today Elizabeth Stevenson. Elizabeth is a managing director at Alex Partners. Before that, formerly she was a partner at McKinsey, and then she held some operating roles from very famous and wonderful companies, which you may well know about. One was Pom Wonderful, and the other was Fiji Water, which I'm sure is one of your favorites as well. So Elizabeth is going to tell us about her experience in the food and beverage industry. We are so fortunate to have both of these exceptional women awardees with us today. I'm Lorraine Siegel. I'm the founder, chair, and CEO of the Exceptional Women Awardees Foundation. Why did we start this foundation? Well, our mission is to enable high-level, high-potential women to rise to meet their dreams. And I never had a mentor. All throughout my life as a lawyer and then a CEO of a number of companies in aerospace and healthcare and professional services, I never had a mentor to turn to. And even as a board director... And so we started the foundation to make sure that women like me and the two of them that you're going to meet today, who are women who walk the road less traveled, would always have a supportive network of women leaders to advise and be there for them for the rest of their lives. And so without further ado, let's move to our experts today. Welcome, ladies. I'm going to go straight to you, Tabassum, and ask you the first question, which is, Leading with purpose is something that you have talked about a lot in our conversations preparing for the show. How has this past year changed the way you lead? Wow. Uh, Lorraine, first of all, let me just say that uh, I am an, I'm honored to be with you and Elizabeth for this conversation today. Um, and, you know, a lot has changed, right, over uh, the past 18 months or so. And some important themes around leadership have emerged for me during this uncertain time. Most important of which is transparency and an abundance of communications that continue to be key. Uh, just having this clear, continuous, factual, and candid communication, it's just never been more important. And again, as we speak about leading with purpose, 
purpose can provide that clarity in unsettling times. Two, I think communicating with empathy and authenticity um, has never been more important. Um, I'll also say that uh, leading with emotional intelligence, we all know it's important, but today it's not just a kind thing to do, it's required. Um, they've just been critical components for me working through this crisis and emphasizing truly that employees' mental health, their well-being, skills development, all of that is of utmost importance to us. So. No, there's no doubt. And I'm going to come back to you, Tabasa, because I want to know about what actually happened when COVID hit. What did your management team do first? So think about that. In the meantime, Elizabeth, you have been an operator as well as a consultant. So you know many sides of the leading with purpose and also leading through change. So what has the last year taught you? Thank you so much, Lorena. I'm delighted to be here and to be part of this. So thank you for inviting me to join. Um, when I think about the last year, to me, um, it's really been um, learning how to be present and how to be able to react in the moment to what's coming, right? Because I think things are changing, have been changing so rapidly. And I think as the leader, what's really important is to both help set the vision, but really be there and be team first. Right, so to be there with your team, be on the ground with them um, as the best possible way you can, even if that's remotely, uh, and really be stand shoulder to shoulder and say, how do we collaborate, work our way through this, and come out on the other side in the way that we need to. You know, Elizabeth, you are the perfect consultant because you've been an operator. And I know from my own experience that just having somebody who's been there and done that, as opposed to just consulting on that, makes such a difference. So tell us a little bit about when you were an operator with Palm Wonderful, for example, and some of the things that happened that made you realize how quick on your feet you had to be to make change happen. Well, I think uh, there's nothing that teaches you um, humility and the need for speed than being in the agricultural business. Uh, so uh, we were responsible for 9,500 acres of pomegranates. <laughs> and when pomegranate harvest hits, uh, you're really at the hands of Mother Nature. I remember my first year in the role, we got a rainstorm right after harvest started and we lost half the crop and literally had to move and change and transform uh, more than 1,500 people who are working for us in under 24 hours to be responsive to that event. And I think that kind of uh, impact in your business really teaches you, you know, how to be you know, in the moment, making the decisions that you have to as things are changing real time. Uh, and you need to figure out how do you help motivate and keep people aligned and keep all the, the parts moving. Um, to me, it was probably the most valuable experience in my whole career. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. And, and you, thank you for, 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 for setting that up because you just set me up to go back to Tabassum. Okay, Tabassum, so COVID hits, you've got 2,600 restaurants at Chipotle Mexican Grill. What happened? What did you do? Wow. So like everyone, we were impacted as well, right? But before I get into um, how we got through it all and how we were impacted, I I'll just start with saying that keeping our purpose of cultivating a better world central to all decision making, and I mean really all decision making, whether it was about people or processes, supply chain, um, just keeping that as our North Star 
and having complete transparency and communication both internally uh, within our company as well as externally with our guests, vendors, uh, landlords even has been key to Chipotle thriving through these unsettling times. Uh, we were impacted uh, uh, greatly initially. We had to close about 100 restaurants when the pandemic first started. Um, but, you know, we kept our employees employed and served customers through takeout, pickup, and delivery wherever possible, right? Our safety and security of the guests and employees uh, remained top priority even before the pandemic. But during the pandemic, the changes that we had to make uh, in our restaurants to monitor local, state, and federal guidelines for social distancing. Um, I'll also add that during this time, uh, you know, it's our digital readiness that really, really to pivot quickly. Um, and in the past couple of years, you've seen Chipotle putting an emphasis on improving our access, becoming more visible and more convenient to our customers, not just by virtue of adding more restaurants, but adding new access points within those restaurants. And the Chipotle is one just, just one example of that. Really. Yeah, it's so true. You know, I, I serve on the board of a public uh, public board of a bank, and we are digitizing as fast as we possibly can. It's absolutely essential. Tabasim, going back to you, you have such a wonderful background. It's so eclectic and global. Tell us a little bit about your journey. Well, uh, Lorraine, uh, mine is an immigrant story, uh, and it's a classic American dream story. Originally from India, I was born and raised in Oman in the Middle East, and I grew up in a family where working hard, perseverance, and continuous learning were just not just our values, but a way of life. Uh, my career choice in architecture and interior design, I'll say is somewhat of a disappointment in my family where studying medicine or law uh, was the ultimate definition of success. So in many ways, um, I began walking the road less traveled very early on in my life. I started my professional career in design and architecture in the Middle East, um, in super high-end luxury hospitality. And then about 24 years ago, I immigrated to the US, went back to school, um, and pretty much started ground zero from a career perspective as well. Uh, the position that I took was a far cry from my previous work in high-end hospitality, but it would also be the beginning of everything I've learned over the past two decades about the business and food service industry, about leadership, about the importance of building strong teams. And I've had the honor of working with iconic brands, helping them with their growth agenda and helping them transform their restaurant portfolio. I, I, I truly have been fortunate in my journey so far with the support of my family. Um, we've made I've made decisions about my career. Some of them have been hard choices, uh, but it's the unconditional support of the family and mentors that have helped me. And, and I don't want to forget, but I do want to mention, you were responsible, certainly as part of the team, in designing many of the mosques for the Sultan of Oman. Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so proud of you. That's just so amazing. It really is incredible. What, what a legacy to leave behind. Amazing. And speak a little bit about the uh, aspect of expanding and the growth of your company and restaurants. Did you have to put a lid on that during this situation or did you continue to expand? So we've continued to expand, Lorraine. Uh, you know, we're in a fortunate situation where we've got a very healthy balance sheet. Um, that obviously has helped and we've got this incredibly creative team. Uh, in the midst of the pandemic as well, I think there's three things, if I were to sum it up, that have really helped. 
staying on the forefront of technology. I talked about this earlier, the digital readiness that has enabled us to get access and communicate with our customers. Um, convenience and access being key, we've continued to evolve and innovate around restaurant designs and format. The world changed, consumer preferences have changed. And so without having that innovation pipeline running, churning, we wouldn't have been able to grow. Uh, and I think partnering shoulder to shoulder with operations, teams across the nation, and ensuring that we're continuing the hiring process, adding great people to our teams and training employees in preparation for our growth. And frankly, from a development side too, I'll just say that the real estate market has been favorable to us. Um, and again, you know, while we were initially impacted, it, at least with new construction, um, the creativity of our teams has really helped us slide through. Amazing. Uh, Elizabeth, you have some very interesting things in your background now. You were a best-selling author in your late teens, early 20s. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, yeah, so I was a graduate student. I was working on my PhD, um, and my part-time job is I was a writer. And I had the opportunity to co-write a book with a doctor at the University of Chicago Medical School uh, on health aging and the day we published we were on the Oprah Winfrey show and so I started the day literally as a grad student with a part-time job and I ended the day as a best-selling author uh, and it was life-changing obviously <laughs> Oprah, Oprah changes lives um, but the fun part of it is part of the book was a website where you could go and input information about your um, health behaviors and get uh advice and counseling on the back end of it. Um, the website was called Real Age, and uh, it was 1999. It was the start of the internet world. And an entrepreneur said, you know, this is a great idea. What are you doing? Why don't we start a company? And literally, it was a Wednesday we published, and on Monday, the next week, I'd moved to San Diego when we were all working together to build realage.com, which went on to become one of the top three uh, health publishing websites on the web consumer health sites uh, and rode that ride up and uh, then it eventually decided I wanted to learn more about business and went to McKinsey Company to learn about business and spent 14 years there uh, advising and counseling uh, clients all over the world. I felt very blessed to have that opportunity. Uh, and then I got the opportunity to go to the Wonderful Company where I was able to run two of their portfolio companies called Wonderful and then the Fiji Water Company and now um, Super excited to be back in consulting. And I think, as you said, uh, Lorraine, right, there's something about once you've been an operator, you want to go be close to operations. And one of the reasons I chose to put partners, right, is just the ability to be shoulder to shoulder with my clients really helping drive change. Now, I think that's so essential. So, Elizabeth, things have changed in the consulting world in the last year or two, certainly since you were formerly a partner at McKinsey. When you think about marketing consulting services now, has anything changed? You know, obviously, uh, you know, I think of consultants, right? You think of it as a job where you're on the road and you're traveling all the time and you're uh, meeting with clients in real time and re in live and having to reinvent businesses where we do much of the same work, but we're doing it over video screens, I think has been, um, you know, both a challenge. Uh, you know, I think it's for me personally, my favorite part of my job is the human connection. So it's totally different over screen, right? But I think there's um, also, I think we learned that we could work in entirely different ways and have really significant impact. Um, and things that you wouldn't even imagine, right? So 
you know, many of my colleagues work in four walls manufacturing, right? And they're able to do diagnostics of uh, plant facilities just through someone walking through a plant with a GoPro on their head and taking photos. So I think that we're really learning that there are entirely new ways of interacting and of us connecting, which has been, I think, one of the, you know, silver linings of the cloud of COVID. Yeah, that's great. Um, Tabasum, I would be remiss if we didn't talk with both of you about the role of women in the food and beverage industry. So do you have a few thoughts on that? Absolutely. Uh, let me start with saying how it is for me here at Tripoli. I truly am proud to be a part of an organization where there are a lot of women in leadership, both in field operations, and you'll see them in support functions. I'm a good example. You'll see them in finance, marketing, people experience, technology, communications. I could go on. And I do believe, like Chipotle, women are beginning to take their places among other uh, food and beverage leaders as well. But there is a long way to go. I, I also feel this will change over time as the industry continues to understand how women consumers drive trends and growth and how women leaders can be a significant asset to corporate image and growth. Um, you know, I think women are already having that profound effect on how the food and beverage industry develops and market products. And owners, venture capitalists, and boards will inevitably reward this perspective um, in the industry's leadership ranks. Yeah, I think it'll be a wonderful day when we don't have to note that somebody's a woman in leadership anymore. That, that's what I'm hoping for. We'll have agree to... with you more. Yeah. Okay. So um, my producer's telling me that we have all kinds of questions out there. First of all, let me thank our LinkedIn viewers and others on social media who have given us questions. If we don't get to yours, I promise you, you can send me an email. I will get back to you. So apologies in advance, but let's put one or two of the questions up. And see, we have Elena from San Jose. Sorry for mis uh, not stating your name correctly. What do you think the role of women is in a post-COVID economy? Well, that's an interesting one. A lot's been written on that. Elizabeth, why don't you take a try at that one? No, that's a great question. I mean, I think that we're seeing probably a set of divergent, uh, divergent forces in the marketplace. I think on one hand, there is no question that the burden of COVID disproportionately hit women. Um, you know, I think women do more home care, they're more responsible for childcare. And I think we saw lots of women who's quite frankly had to either leave the labor force or pull back in order to manage all of the things that were happening at home. Um, and I think that is something that we'll have to see recovery over. Um, but at the same time, I do think that um, there are many things that are advancing women in this place that in the time of, of significant transformation. Um, there's certainly a lot of sentiment by companies, I think, and by society that there needs to be more roles for women. And I think it's really not just about what's the right thing to do, and that's part of the question, but I think the other question is what's the <laughs> Uh, necessary thing to do. And I think if you look at it from a company perspective, you know, more than 50% of um, college degrees now go to women. And so women are going to be absolutely critical to the workforce of tomorrow in ways that are really profound. And I think that the best companies understand that and they realize that they need to build the pipelines and they need to build the work situation that allow women to thrive. 
And the companies that do that are going to get, if you think 50% of the talent or more than 50% of the talent in terms of degrees, in terms of all those things are now women, you know, you've got to figure that out. Yeah, it's going to be, it's no doubt. You're absolutely right. A competitive advantage will definitely be for those companies who are smart enough to do that. Uh, Let's get another question up because there are quite a few out there. Uh, Jennifer from Chicago. Ah, this is a good one. How have you juggled your own commitments in a post-COVID economy? And since both of you are mothers, happy Mother's Day for yesterday, a few days ago. uh, Tell us, uh, Tabasum, how have you handled some of those familial uh, uh, commitments? Thank you. Uh, Thank you for the Mother's Day wishes and the same to you, Lorraine. Uh, look, I, I am no different from other mothers. Um, it, it's 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 certainly a balance, right? Uh, but if if there's any um, uh, a silver lining on my end, uh, my daughter is 20 years old, so there's three adults in the house. Um, it's been different working from home. Uh, you know, just both both my my husband and myself. Uh, but I think that with the support of the family, uh, this is this has been actually a great learning experience. We've learned new things about each other. Um, and you know, it, it's it's actually helped me find um, the balance, uh, the life balance, if you will. So, oh, that's that's great. And uh, Elizabeth, I know you have a fourteen, maybe fifteen-year-old now. How did 15. you manage it? <laughs> yeah, so Jackson just turned fifteen this spring. Um, you know, it's interesting because in many ways, I think everyone being at home, uh, it made many of the things actually easier. Uh, to be a working mom, I felt, because he was old enough that he was relatively self-sufficient. Um, you know, I think the challenges were much more from a kid perspective, right? It's really hard to be a teenager and not see your friends. But I think from a parenting perspective, there was a lot of seamlessness in our lives that it worked. I, the mothers, I think, who really have had a hard time are the ones with small children, right? And how hard that is to try to work while also trying to provide uh, the level of childcare that's needed. So I felt very fortunate through this, and I think it's actually been, um, you know, it's been a really good thing for um, the two of us in terms of our relationship and how we've learned to work together. And as he's learned to become more responsible, which I think is a good thing for teenage boys in general. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's absolutely great. So we have uh, more questions. Let's try and take a few more before we end our show. Uh, here's another one coming up from Judy Schrecker. Thank you, Judy. Do either of you think the food and beverage industry is better or worse off coming out of COVID and with women's representation? So, Tabasa, why didn't you take this one? Yeah, uh, Judy, that's a great question. And I do think that we've learned a ton coming out of this pandemic. Um, and so, you know, whether we're better off or not, um, I, 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 I can't say. I will say that we've certainly learned a lot and those that have adapted to the times, to the consumer needs, and have been flexible and agile in their approach, the companies that have kept purpose central to all their decision-making, those companies are going to thrive. And frankly, diversity, equity, and inclusion is such an important topic, and that, and with that comes women's representation. So companies that have women represented at all leadership levels are smart to do that. It's just smart business. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I saw a question come in from Anna. So if we can get that up, I'd love to give her an opportunity to get it answered. From Nashville, what have you learned from the past year that has changed the industries that you're familiar with? So Elizabeth, why don't you go for that? Because as a consultant, you consult to many different industries. Yeah, so I I think that, um, you know, for 
all industries, there's been just a huge amount of change and transformation. And I think um, you've seen obviously massive disruption in industries that you know were have seen the largest downturns they've ever seen. If you think about things like hotels and airlines, at the same time you've seen other industries that have had unprecedented growth. Uh, so if you think about grocery stores and eating from home, and so I think every company been had to figure out how to be much more agile and much more um, responsive to change. And things that we thought would take 10 years to change, we realized could change in two weeks. So if you think about something like telemedicine, uh, that was always considered the edge of the future, right? It's something that all of us have had to do over the past year. Um, so to me, the lesson really is, is that we actually are much more agile and we are much more able to change and transform uh, than we ever thought possible. So I will ask you a question as an employer now. Uh, when you're looking for a new employee, are you looking for something a little different, different now after COVID than you would look for perhaps before? Tabassum. Um, you know, perhaps uh, one big thing for me is the focus on emotional intelligence. intelligence. Uh, we're always looking for, you know, the right skill set, um, an individual that's going to be an ad to our culture. Um, but I think for me, it's uh, emotional intelligence has become one of the most important skills uh, from the soft skills that I'd be looking for in a candidate. And no one teaches you that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you, you have to kind of pick that up yourself or hope that your parents will give you some of it. So, Elizabeth, what's your take on that as an employer this time? You know, I think that when you see how people come through COVID, I think what you see, and I don't know that this is any different, but maybe COVID becomes an example of it, is that the best employees are resilient employees who are able to take things in stride. And I think as you go through the interviews, what you see is you see the people who are able to take this opportunity and figure out how in the face of incredible hardship, and I think, you know, we've all seen many, many people have to go through incredible, you know, loss and, you know, you know, very heartbreaking um, events in their lives. And then I think what you see from the employee perspective is people who leaned in, were able to be creative, were able to figure out how do you get through that. And I think to me, what COVID really shows is it really shows people's mettle in some way in terms of you know, when you're thinking about employees, right? Who, who are the people who are able to be resilient in the face of tough times? So just with a very short period of time, just maybe about a minute or two left, uh, Tabassum, you're in a very big restaurant company, 2,600 or more. There are a lot of mom and pop restaurants that have suffered terribly in the past year. Uh, do you think there's a future for mom and pop restaurants in our post-COVID economy? I, I certainly think so. Um, you know, there is definitely a future for these mom and pop restaurants or entrepreneurial restaurants. Lorraine, I have some in my neighborhood. Um, frankly, I, I, I'm so impressed with the way they've led um, and operated through these tough times. You know, they and, and the thing that they did is remain flexible. They adapted, they innovated, they were quick on their feet, um, and they made things work. Um, and so I, I absolutely think that for entrepreneurs, um, the time's never been brighter. Uh, you know, you, uh, there's definitely a place for them, for sure. And Elizabeth, you normally consult to large companies. If you were consulting to an entrepreneur starting a food-related business today, what would you tell him or her? 
Um, the time's never been better. <laughs> I think that um, there's huge interest in new ideas in food. Um, and I think that, you know, we're seeing massive changes in how consumers eat and how consumers shop, uh, what they want in their diets, you know, huge interest in health and wellness and plant-based diets. And I think there's just incredible innovation um, coming out from our entrepreneur community in food. And so, um, you know, I'm very, very excited for what is going to be the next several years in food. And I think everyone's staying at home and having to really think about what do we eat? How do I eat? How do I prepare it? I'm sure there is just going to be a wellspring of really exciting and fun new ideas. Oh, that's so wonderful. And I love optimism, which we are very optimistic at EWA. So thank you both. Unfortunately, we have no time left, and I am definitely going to invite you both back. How fortunate are we to have these two exceptional women leaders in the food and beverage industry? Thank you for your time and your insights and your wisdom. And so we are not done. We have another show coming up in just a few weeks' time, and that is going to be one of our Thought Leader series. It is with Kara Golden. Kara Golden is the author of Undaunted, and she is also the founder of Hint Water. If you haven't tasted it, go out and buy some. It is truly amazing and there's no calories in it. She's an amazing woman, fabulous personality. Please join us. It's going to be a wonderful hour on EWA LinkedIn Live. And of course, remember to go and look at our YouTube channel and also you can find us and this very show will be on Spotify and Amazon very shortly. I will leave you, however, with a question today. Have you changed the way that you buy food in the last 12 to 14 months? Please send your answer to our email, which is up on the screen now. Join us for our next set of shows. Take a look at our channels. Thank you so much for being with us, everybody. Good night.